HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards & Sons, third-generation cure masters producing the country's best dry-cured and aged hams, bacon, and sausage. For more information, visit edwardsvaham.com. Hey, 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 I'm Jimmy Carboni from Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. listening to Tech Bytes on Heritage Radio Network, live from Brooklyn. I'm your host, Jennifer Leutzi, and I'm here every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at heritageradionetwork.org. You can listen live, on demand, or the show recently just posted in the iTunes podcast selection, which is very exciting. I downloaded it, subscribed to it, liked it, rated it. Um, so that's the, the newest, funnest thing and the best way to get Tech Bytes if you can't listen live. We are here today on Monday, January 26th in a little bit of a snow flurry, and we are bracing for what is supposed to be a, a historic snowstorm. And you may not know that Heritage Radio Network is actually inside Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, which if you have to be snowed in someplace, I think Roberta's Pizza is one of the best places to be. They have the wood-burning pizza oven, homemade butter, charcuterie. There's actually a garden on the compound. So I'm quite happy to be here and uh, wouldn't mind getting stuck here. <laughs> so on Tech Bites, we talk about the intersection of technology and food and how technology is transforming our lives, including what we eat and how we find it and share it. And before we get started on our conversation today, I want to introduce everyone in the studio so you can match the voices to names. The person who is really responsible for getting the show out onto the web is Jack Inslee, who's our engineer. Hello. And he, hello, Jack. He's also the network's executive producer and the host of one of my favorite new things, Full Service Radio on Thursday nights at 7.30 on Heritage Radio Network. That is available as a podcast also, and it's a wonderful uh, disco DJ soundtrack to carry around with you. <laughs> I would say it's nice for the kitchen, too, if you need something to listen to while you cook. There you go. Kitchen jams? That's right. Is there a kitchen jams show, maybe? 
that you did? We, we have snacky tunes. I don't know. That, that sounds like kitchen jams, kind of. No, I mean, all music, though, in the kitchen is good, I think, right? Yes, I agree. So in the studio today, we have someone who I'm really looking forward to talking to. He is the creator of a Twitter feed called Last Minute Eaten. His name is Jason Davis. Hi, Jennifer. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you for coming out in the snow. My pleasure. Anything uh, to escape uh, the, the flurries for a moment and get some, uh, some of this fantastic Roberta's pizza? <laughs> you can smell it in the studio sometimes. <laughs> it's, it's delicious. And on the phone, we have calling us from Boston, who is also, I think, getting ready to bunker in for the snowstorm, Jane Kelly, who's the co-founder of a website called Eat Your Books. Jane, are you there? I am. Hello. So we're going to start with Jane. On last week's episode of Tech Bites, episode number two, it's titled Librarians, Culinary Archives, and Digital Menus. One of our guests was Rebecca Fetterman, who works at the New York Public Library, and she works in the culinary collections and does a lot with archiving and the databases. And I asked her what advice she had for people to organize their own cookbook collections and recipes, and she recommended using Eat Your Books. So I went and took a look at Eat Your Books, which is eatyourbooks.com, and it's a very interesting service, and I gave it a test run with a few of my cookbooks and thought, you know, this is something great, so let's let Jane Kelly tell us about it, and then everyone can maybe decide to give it a try for their collections. So Jane, can you tell us what the inspiration was for Eat Your Books? Well, I owned a lot of cookbooks, and um, I, when I wanted to find a recipe, I'd go online because it was so much quicker to find something, and it was frustrating me because I thought, I've got these great cookbooks with great recipes, but I just don't have the time to search through all the indexes, and if I had a database of the recipes that I could search in the same way as I search if I go on Epicurious or um, some website, um, then I would use them more. So I decided to create that for myself and then thought, well, there must be lots of other people around the world like me who own cookbooks and would love to have a search engine for their own cookbooks. And out of that, Eat Your Books was born. How long ago was that? Uh, we launched it five years ago. It took us about um, 18 months to build, um, build the site and get a reasonable amount of data in to, to launch. We've obviously added a lot more since then. Now we've got about 1.2 million recipes that we've indexed. Um, we launched originally with just with cookbooks, since the name Eat Your Books, but realized after a while that really we needed to make it more of a complete service. So we added food magazines and online content. So now uh, people can add their own recipes that they find online using our bookmarklet, and then they can also add their own personal recipes. So they can have one search engine for every recipe that they own. So calling it a search engine, I think, is an important distinction because it's not actually the recipes themselves, and you're not a recipe website. It's just enough of an annotation of the title and the page and where to find it to be your own personal catalog of recipes. That's right, and it's, it's more than just a title because it's a database, so it's really a search engine that goes much, digs much deeper than even the back of the book index because we've got all of the ingredients listed, and then we add category tags for the recipe type and the ethnicity and, and the special diet, vegetarian, vegan, gluten-free, whatever, and, um, and, and, a, and other, other category tags as well. So, so you can add, make 
any combination of different tags and ingredients to find exactly the recipe you want within your own books or magazines or online or yeah that's really wonderful i plugged in four different books from my recipe collection one was the joy of cooking and i'm partial to the 1975 edition I'm partial to everything before the 1997 big refresh, which I didn't like very much. <laughs> so I plug that in. Another book that we use a lot is the Escoffier book. We really like Kitchen Sense, which is by one of the hosts here on Heritage Radio Network, Mitchell Davis. He has a great show called Taste Matters. And also the Momofuku Dave Chang book we love quite a bit. And so I plugged those four books in and I searched apple pie and I think it gave me something like 12 different recipes, which was amazing and wonderful <laughs> because I was looking to bake apple pie on the snowy weekend. Yeah, that's the thing. You don't know what's in your books. I mean, you sort of, you know what you know and you think you know your cookbooks because you know the recipes that you've already cooked, but you don't know all the recipes that are in there that you've never cooked before. And suddenly you've got this whole repertoire of recipes that you uncover stuff that you had no idea you'd got. That's it's, it really, really transforms your use of your cookbooks when you can suddenly really search the entire content. That's a really great point, realizing things you had that you didn't know you had. Yeah. With over a million recipes in the database, how do you actually do that? And Oh, <laughs> it's very labor-intensive, which is why nobody else has done this in the whole world. <laughs> We're the only website. Uh, we literally have indexes sitting with the book or the magazine and entering the data into our database. Um, unfortunately, none of the publishers have this data in, in a form that can be imported. They have text files, and so we have to uh, manually enter all the data. Um, so, yeah, very labor-intensive. Everyone in the studio is shaking their heads back and forth in disbelief, imagining know, the task know, of a book like one, The Joy of Cooking. Somebody we, we introduced a site to in the UK recently, he, lo he just looked at it and went, this is bonkers. So if you know the <laughs> word bonkers, it means mad. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's the only way to do it. So, um, yeah, and, uh, and, and now we've got something really valuable and we're just building on it. How many users do you have? Um... That's quite a lot. <laughs> I'm not going to go into numbers. They're all over the world. Um, about 50% are in the U.S., um, and then the rest are spread, U.K., Australia, Canada, New Zealand, uh, English-speaking, obviously, because that's what our cookbooks are. So, um, yeah, so we have indexes all over the world doing, uh, doing the inputting for us, and, and so the content is, is, that, is, is from those countries as well. Do the users participate in the cataloging? Yes, they can. Um, and we just introduced that a couple of years ago, and we really thought this was going to be something that only a few people would want to do because, you know, as I said, it's very labor-intensive. But actually, they love it. I mean, I think some people just really enjoy doing it, um, particularly if they're that type of mindset of being into data. Or, uh, yeah, about 30% of our books now each year are done by members. That's really wonderful. Well, thank you very much for the time calling in from Boston. We hope that you don't get hit too hard by the snowstorm. And if you have a lot of cookbooks or even just one or two that has a lot of recipes, you might want to check out eatyourbooks.com. It's a pretty nifty little search engine. Great. Thank you so much. So now we turn to Jason Davis of Last Minute Eaton, who I know his, I can see his eyes light up when we say data and search platform. <laughs> Eat Your Books, I have to say, is, is quite an impressive platform. I, I spent some time in Google almost 10 years ago, and to think of, of a search engine where you actually can't click through the web, but you can actually 
uh, quick to, to, to learn how to find books on your shelf and which pages and which sections recipes might be in is definitely sort of an application of a search engine I had never thought possible before. The interesting thing is this is a hybrid, one of those hybrid pieces of technology where it requires a tactile, physical, in-person experience with the book, which is the low-tech, and then you take that information and experience and transform it into something digital, and then it becomes this nifty online searchable system. And I, I find that so many of the things today in the tech and food space are usually a hybrid of a physical, tactile experience combined or harnessed by something. Techy. Yeah, no, I mean, it's very interesting, not to go on too much of a tangent, but when, when I was at Google 10 years ago, uh, they had just started with Google Book Search. Uh, and, of course, everyone was suing Google and saying, hey, these are copyrighted books that you're putting online. And, and, and the, 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 the realization there was that no one actually reads books on Google Book Search. It's, you know, they'll search for some terms, you know, search for, for, for whatever reference to, to whatever someone might be researching, and then they'll actually go to the library or go to Amazon.com and buy the book to, and to read it. So, Exactly. So not to go off on a tangent, but <laughs> Eat Your Books is definitely a fun one. I'm very happy to be talking to Jason because I've been following his Twitter feed, Last Minute Eaten, for probably since it started in, I think, July of 2013. That's probably about right. So it's very simply tweets about top restaurants in New York City that have tables for two available in real time that night for dinner. And it posts a link to the reservation on open table. So, for example, it would say dinner for two tonight at La Bernadette at 9.45 p.m., and it would have the link, and you'd click, and you'd go to open table, and then you would book the reservation at La Bernadette. So when I first came across this, I thought, wow, this is pretty neat. Restaurant reservations are always a hot topic. And I imagined that last-minute eating was a person who was trawling through open table, <laughs> looking at all the top restaurants, and then manually copying and pasting it into a Twitter feed and then posting it to just sort of see what would happen because it does say, as the description of the Twitter feed, same-day reservations, New York's hardest-to-get tables, and Jason has called it an experiment in immediate gratification and schedule-free living. So I thought the experiment part was just sort of how the world responds to the last-minute reservations, how restaurants respond to it. But recently, I, I discovered that there's a little bit more behind it. It's a very interesting data open table hack to a live Twitter feed. So I will let Jason start with wh where the idea came from and, and how you built it. Uh, right. And actually, be before I even go into that, I'll just do a quick plug for today since uh, okay. there's so much snow and everyone is canceling mm -hmm. the reservations. It's the last uh, three tweets, per se, Minetta Tavern uh, and Craft. I'm actually not a huge Craft fan. but What, what time is Minetta um, Tavern? Uh, s uh, 7, 8, 8.30 and 9. Oh, so. my gosh. Reservations <laughs> at Minetta Tavern at 8 and 8.30 And per se at 8.30. That's, that's a hot table. That's amazing. I didn't even know reservations at 8 p.m. at Mineta Tavern actually existed. Uh, they do, and you can uh, <laughs> surf on to, to Twitter right now and, and get yourself one. 
Yeah, bad weather is is famously an excellent opportunity to eat at hard to get to restaurants. Exactly. So you know, so, so my backstory is I, I built last minute eating primarily for myself initially. Okay. Uh, I, I I haven't always been uh, a New York City resident. Uh, you know, prior to living up here, my wife and I were living down in Austin, and the restaurant culture down there is completely different. Uh, you go to your favorite restaurant, and there's an hour wait, two hour wait, but no one cares because there's a huge bar area. And they have live music, and you hang out for an hour, two hours, two and a half hours, and then at some point you eat, and then you, know, you go home. Uh, and most places in New York, you go in, and you know if there if you're lucky enough for there be there to be a waiting list, uh, you know there's nowhere to wait. Uh, you know, yes, you know, funny there's enough, nowhere Robert, to wait. You're Robert, on the street with one of those buzzers, and if you're lucky, a plastic red cup of something they gave you to drink while you're waiting. Exactly. And, and you know, the, things are a little bit better out, you know, out in Brooklyn. Roberto's is actually one of the, the few exceptions, although the waits here can be four hours if you show up at 8 p.m. on, on a Saturday. It's a, it's a separate issue. Um, but, uh, you know, but what I found myself doing in New York uh, was you know, it would, book, would be booking tables you know, three or four weeks out. You know, get a table for two on a Thursday night, four on a Saturday night, and maybe get a, a, t- a random table for six. And then, you know, when we got you know, a few days out, emailing some friends uh, and then trying to get groups together and having to go through the whole cancellation game, so on and so forth. So you started stockpiling reservations week to week, months, you know, on a 30 day out basis for your own use because it was so difficult to be spontaneous. Exactly. And, you know, it's, you know, I, I you, know, you know, at the time I was, uh, I, I was working at Etsy.com uh, and, you know, my, you know, you know I, had, I had a whole bunch of responsibility there, a huge schedule packed up, you know, five days a week, you know, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. in meetings. The last thing I wanted to do was have to schedule my nights every single night out for the next month as well. Or, or spend a block of time in the morning at 10 o'clock when the reservation lines go live and smile and dial to get those tables. Exactly. Well, I still had to do that, you know, but at least, you know, on, on Thursday night I could decide what I wanted to, you know, eat you know, on Thursday night or Friday night or so on and so forth. Uh, so, 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 so that's sort of where the, the genesis of, of last minute eating came from. Uh, and the way it works is, is very, very simple. Um, you know, it, it sort of mimics, you know, the way my behavior would work or anyone's behavior would work if you were looking for uh, a table that day. Uh, so you have a hit list of places that you really want to go to, presumably ones that are maybe a little bit hard to get into. Uh, and then you check at 4 o'clock, and then you check at 4.30, and you check at 5, and you hope the table comes up. Uh, but the difference here is that Last Minute Eaton actually catalogs hundreds and hundreds of restaurants uh, in the city. Uh, and, and furthermore, it has statistics over which restaurants are the hardest to get into. Uh, so at 4 p.m. on a Thursday, uh, if it sees that Per Se has a table, uh, and it sees that Mineta Tavern has a table, uh, and then it sees that, uh, say, uh, what's another, uh, you, you know, uh, Gramercy Tavern has a table, and it'll say, hey, you know, you know, these are all three great restaurants, but in fact, Per Se is actually the hardest to get into, it will tweet out you know a single a single table and that will be per se because it knows among these three hey they're all they're all good options but per se only happens once a month you know Gramercy ha- Tavern happens twice a month so we'll go with per se for now and then we'll get Gramercy Tavern uh, the, the next time around and it pretty much does this all day long for waking hours from 9 a.m. till about I think 9 9 p.m. Absolutely fascinating and a wonderful solution to a problem that we all get to benefit from. So this is, I think, a perfect uh, time to take our midway break. And then we come back, we'll hear more about how his, is it a, is it a bot or an algorithm or? Um, it's a bot and an algorithm. Okay. How the bot <laughs> and the algorithm are finding the eight o'clock reservations at Mineta Tavern. <laughs> 
today's break song called Meeting at the Docks by Rectech. This is HeritageRadioNetwork.org. program was brought to you by S. Wallace Edwards and Sons. Edwards Suriano hams are aged to perfection for no less than 400 days and hickory smoked to achieve a deep mahogany color. The Edwards name is well known for its world-class aged and cured meats. Their exclusive curing and aging recipe produces a unique flavor profile that enhances the quality characteristics of Berkshire pork. Optimum amounts of pure white fat marbling contribute to a flavor that's a delicate, perfect balance between sweet and salty. For more information, visit edwardsvaham.com. Well, it's Monday at 1.18, and that means you are listening to Tech Bites on the Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from two shipping containers in Roberta's Pizza in Brooklyn. Tech Bites looks at the intersection of technology and food, and today we are talking with Jason Davis, who's the creator of Last Minute Eaten, which is an automated Twitter feed that pulls information from Open Table about top restaurants in New York City in real time that has available reservations that evening. So Jason was just explaining to us that it is both a, an algorithm and a bot. Right. So I, I conceptually, you can think of it as, as, as two parts. You know, one is, is a sort of the very mechanical component that goes and, and clicks on buttons and, 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 and searches for ABC Kitchen and searches for Per Se and searches for Gramercy Tavern uh, and then looks at the results from Open Table and says, hey, are there any tables tonight? Uh, in fact, it, it doesn't, you know, it actually ignores tables at 4.45 or 11.45 p.m. and it only looks at tables between 7 and 10. Uh, and that's just the very mechanical bot component of the way it works. So... Tables for two between yep. 7 p.m. and 10 p.m., yep. same day. Yep. And then the category or type of restaurant that you're looking at, you have a prescribed list of places that you like, that you're interested in, that you manually selected. It's actually, it's a, it's a big master whitelist, and it's actually, that's fairly programmatic as well. And, mm-hmm. and there I actually just add every restaurant on open table in the New York City area that has at least 50 reviews. At least 50 reviews. Exactly. And then... Does the logarithm algorithm algorithm <laughs> <laughs> algorithm also look at the number of reviews and then there's something about its placement in usage or right so 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 my numbers may be off a little bit a little bit but I believe there are about 500 or 600 uh, restaurants on Open Table that fit this criteria uh, and 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 so the the bot component uh, you know checks availability for for these restaurants but. Um, throughout the day, when it actually comes to tweet these restaurants, it only actually uh, uh, looks off of a working set of about 100 restaurants. Uh, and these 100 restaurants are those with, you know, that generally have the, 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 the least amount of availability uh, over the last month. Uh, and least amount of availability based on? All same-day tables. 
in open table. Exactly. So, so not least amount of availability based on how many phone calls you made or what New York Magazine says or everything. The, the restaurant Pete Wells just reviewed. Or exactly. It's, it's very. It's really just based on numbers on, on how hard it is you know to get in because look if Pete Wells you know loved. Uh, you know, gave a three star review for for wherever, and you can get in. You know, anytime, then that's great. You don't need to use last minute eating. You can just go to Open Table and make your reservation. You know, for you know next weekend and the following weekend or whenever you'd like to go. Uh, you know, but for last minute eating, it's really you know this is where you can go to find tables for restaurants that you probably wouldn't be able to get into otherwise. It's really wonderful. So, h- how many people do you have that follow it now? How many followers? So as of today, uh, we're about at forty five hundred followers. Uh, the, uh, the 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 account was uh, f- was featured in the New York Times when it launched, uh, I guess, about eighteen months ago now, uh, and I think it sort of uh, leapfrogged to about a thousand followers, and it's uh, it's it's been growing steadily since then. Uh, it's gotten interest from uh, from from New York Times critics. Critics, Pete Wells is a big fan. Uh, there have been you know quite a few uh, reservation upstarts that have come, uh, and and some you know, people. It's a very polarizing topic. Some people. Say hey, you know, if, if I want to pay, if people want to pay thirty dollars to eat about eat at Balthazar, and then charge them thirty dollars to eat at Balthazar, uh, and then other people say, hey, this is not how restaurants were meant to be, uh, and I think Pete Wells is actually in the latter camp, so so he's a big fan and he'll retweet tables occasionally. Over time, the restaurant reservation system, how it works, how you can get them, has become something very interesting, and also to in complete agreement with you, very polarizing. So do you hear from the restaurants ever when right. you promote this? Because I can see a restaurant being happy to sell it, fill a table. I can also see a restaurant being not happy to publicize that they have open tables. Right. I mean, it's, it's you know, I, you can definitely make an argument either way. But you know, the fact of the matter is that many restaurants do follow Last Minute Eaton. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that if it's, if it's a Friday night, it's a really busy night, and it's 7 o'clock, and you have a table that's open right now because of a cancellation, uh, you want to fill it. Uh, and you know, so Scarpetta is a great example. One of my favorite uh, Italian restaurants on on 14th Street, 14th Street on the West Side. Uh, whenever we when, whenever we tweet, you know, you know, open tables at Scarpetta for a, you know, a prime table. You know, more times than not, they'll retweet that table because they have a following on Twitter. They've invested in their social media, and they realize, hey, there are plenty of, of fans who just love to eat here. You know, and if something comes up, then let's let's get it. Let's get the word out there. So it really is becoming a public service, both for the restaurants and the public. Exactly. Have you ever heard from Open Table? Yeah, when I first launched, uh, you know, a few folks from there reached out to us, and uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, the the value we bring uh, Open Table is some more promotion. Uh, you know, it's 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 really just about. Uh, bring visibility to things that already exist. Uh, whether or not we're here and, and, and someone scans, cancels the Scarpetta, the table is, is still going to be an open table that open table didn't book. Uh, ultimately, <laughs> you have to go back, click through back to open table and book the reservations through open table. Exactly, anyway. exactly. And we sit right on top of open table anyway. So, so in, in, in some ways, last minute eating is a little bit like eat your books. You're sorting through and you've created a data search for things that already exist and are just bringing them to light. Exactly. Yeah, they're making uh, you know, cookbooks better and you know, we're making restaurants easier to get into. It's all data and the numbers and the bots. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now, one other thing that I noticed about the Twitter account is that you only follow five people and you're not following TechBytes HRM. <laughs> Putting me I on noted. the spot here. Yes, well, I was waiting. I, until, I was waiting until the, I was waiting until the interview was over <laughs> <laughs> to see how it went. 
What can I do to make that happen? Uh, I mean, we, you can follow her right now. <laughs> <laughs> Why only five people? Oh, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I, when, I, when it first launched, I you know, reached out to a few food bloggers and, uh, and I had some good conversations. Robert Sistema is one, is one person. Uh, and I mean, it's, I don't really, you know, the, the account is more just to, to broadcast information. It's not really an account where um, I log in and read my stream. Um, you know, so it's, you know, I wouldn't look too deeply into that. And what is the next step for last minute eating? Are you going to turn it into an app or something else? Do you like it the way it is? Just grow it a little bit yeah, more? I Other mean, cities, perhaps? Yeah. L.A., I mean, Chicago? Like, yeah, so, uh, you know, I'll, I'll sort of do a quick, you know, shout out to a, a good friend of mine, Reed Kavner, who uh, uh, has not really a competing service, but a, a complimentary service called ResHound. Uh, and he services the entire country. Uh, and he's not last minute. Anyway, he is last minute, but, you know, he's really anytime. So you can specify I want a table for today or for a week from now or two weeks from now. And it's a very different uh, sort of experience. But Is it, it an actual service or a website or it's is a it website. a Twitter feed it's a, also? It's not a Twitter feed at all. Okay. So it's a website where you log on. You have to know, you, first, you have to know where you want to eat and when you want to eat. You create, um, you log on, you create a profile, you set your parameters, and then it sends you information. Exactly, exactly. Okay. It's you know, it's a similar workflow, except you know, you have to tell Reshound where you want to eat and when you want to eat, and when the table is available, it will, it will email you. I think it might also text you uh, a table. So for me, you know, when I when I travel, um, you know, I'll, I'll use his service because I generally know my dates and you know want to actually make those plans. So you know, just uh, uh, you know, so, so for that reason alone. Uh, and I, you know, I have no plans, you know, today to, to, to move to other cities. Although, you know, people have, have certainly asked. And you use? Do you use the last minute Eaton for all of your reservations now? Well, you know, it's funny when you know when I, I built it, uh, uh, I was actually living in in Manhattan, you know, and now I moved out to Brooklyn. So whenever I eat in Manhattan, which you know, we probably eat a, eat out there maybe once every other week or so, uh, I generally use last minute Eaton. Um, but but in Brooklyn, many restaurants, you know, Roberta's here. You sort of you know show up here and you wait three hours. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's worth it though. Yes. It's worth the wait. The pizza's <laughs> worth the wait. So, have you also developed relationships with restaurants now via Twitter? Do you need to use last minute eating, or can you now send a send a direct message via Twitter to Scarpetta and say, yeah, "Hey, no. it's Jason from Last Minute Eating. Can yeah. you give me a table at eight o'clock?" Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> not directly. I, I should dig into more of that and, and, and leverage that. I mean, I, I, I'm actually working on on a couple projects that I, I can't you know talk too much about, uh, but have have come out of people in in the industry who are very interested in uh, making. Our restaurant reviews better or, or, or the reservation ecosystem better and, and I'm hoping some of those will really just bear out you know you know the, the fruits of exactly what you're describing here and that's you know my ability to get you know, tables into restaurants as easily as possible well some of the best <laughs> things in the world like this like the cookbook service sometimes like restaurants are things that people create for themselves and it winds up being a great service or product for everybody else so, right exactly exactly yeah. So one question that I have is about your recent post on your website, Last Minute Eaten, also is linked to your, it's a blog, I believe, drjasondavis.com. Right, that's just my, uh, uh, my, 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 my personal data blog. Personal data blog. And you recently posted, because you've been in business on Last Minute Eating for a year, yep. so you have a nice turn of, of time to make some different analysis, and you posted something about Michelin restaurants and Last Minute Eating. And Michelin's always a very, very hot topic for reservations. Right. No, I mean, it's sort of, you know, two polar opposite worlds. 
you know, I was sort of digging into the history of, of the Michelin Guide when I, when I when I was digging into some data this this past weekend. And the guides were actually created in 1900, which is amazing. I mean, cars, you know, I don't know when the Model T came about, probably 19. I ha- I have a 1900 Michelin Guide on my bookshelf. Wow. Shea Tech Bytes. Wow. Yes. Well, that's that's amazing. Uh, and and there you, here you have Last Minute Eaton that was established 113 years later. Um, you know, and I'm not I'm not trying to make a case that one's better than the other, and certainly you know that's not a case to be made. But it's very interesting to, com- to compare the two. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I guess sort of did a pretty pretty brief data dive and looked at at restaurants, uh, a, a critically reviewed Michelin Guide restaurants, and, and asked those, especially those that had lost a star. Uh, so Danielle actually lost a star, went from three stars to two stars. Uh, and you know, we should remind listeners that this brings the U.S. down from ten three-star restaurants to nine, six of which are in New York City. You know, so all my all my buddies in uh, on the West Coast, especially those in San Francisco who may be listening, just need to always remind them they only have one uh, three-star Michelin restaurant out there. Yeah, it's tough. Times are tough. Yeah, times are very tough. Um, but but you know, overall the economy is, is super hot, especially uh, in in New York. Uh, and if you actually look at the number of same-day tables available. From the fourth quarter of 2013 to the fourth quarter of 2014, that number decreased by 18%. Uh, so you can think of this as, hey, if you want to uh, use last minute eating, it actually got 20% harder to get uh, into a restaurant, you know, on a Friday night for a Friday night uh, than it was a year before. Uh, but if you look at Danielle, their decline was only 10% or 9%. So they had, a, you know, you know, you know. The rest of the city sort of accelerated, and they weren't quite quite up there. But I'm sure they're still doing very well. They they are doing very well. <laughs> Danielle is is uh, one of my favorite restaurants. They make an amazing pressed duck in a beautiful silver duck press that they do table side, wow, which yeah. is something which is the thing that I had the last time that I was there, and it was really, really marvelous. Yeah, and, we were there wonderful. probably uh, September or October with some good friends and had a, had, had a great meal. So that is all the time that we have for Tech Bytes today. Uh, great conversations about using data to find things in your cookbook and in your restaurant choices that maybe you didn't know that you had. And it's so interesting to me how all of these seemingly numerical, cold, tech, bot, algorithm things really help connect us to cooking and eating and, and food in a, in a much easier way. So I want to thank our guest, Jason Davis of Last Minute Eating, and that's the Twitter handle, which everyone should follow and get on that Minetta Tavern reservation tonight. And also thank Jane Kelly calling in from Boston for eatyourbooks.com. Thanks, Jennifer. Jennifer Thank you. This is Tech Bites. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.